everyone has thoughts about their day, people around us, and ourselves. Today, let's think about how we can become better thinkers, or he-thinkers, through our words, actions, and everyday decisions. This message is the eighth in the series, Remind. The message is entitled, From Me Thinking to He Thinking, Part 3. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, if you will, this weekend and your teaching sheets as we continue our series together called Remind. And I want to continue to talk to us this weekend about moving from me thinking to he thinking and what this is all about in our lives. The Bible is very, very clear about the importance of your thoughts, what goes on in your mind, how you think about life, how you think about a variety of things. The Scripture in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, perhaps describes it better than any other that we could look at today. And let's take a look again at Proverbs 4, 23, one of our foundational verses for this series. Read with me, if you will. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. The Bible says that your life today and your life into the future is being shaped by the way that you think. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 2 describes, or excuse me, chapter 12, verse number 2, describes how our thinking affects the changes in our life. Let me sort of set the stage of his teaching here in Romans chapter 12. He talks about our new life in Christ. In fact, he's reminded us that uh, it, as we come to faith in Christ, we're born again, that our life is changed by Jesus. He describes that work of the Holy Spirit inside of us, and there are massive changes that happen when you and I come to faith in Christ, but there are also ongoing changes that have to occur in our life as believers, and those changes are called sanctification. We become more like God. There's a changing process over time as you mature and grow in Christ. And he describes in verse number 2 of Romans chapter 12 how these changes happen. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. That's the word change. It's actually the Greek word meta, that we get our English word metamorphosis from, to metamorphosize. Let God metamorphosize or transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, in your thought processes, there are always a variety of things going on. You're thinking all the time. There's never a time, generally, that you're not thinking. Even when you're sleeping, your brain is working. That's called dreams, and that's what's going on inside your head. It's a restorative process that God allows you even in your sleep. And all the time, you're thinking, and there are a variety of things that you and I think about. Hopefully, as Christian believers, we are spending some of our time, in fact, a lot of our time thinking about God, that we are maintaining a meditation orientation of our relationship with God by thinking about Him and, and just contemplating who He is in His Word. We also spend some time thinking about ourself. As you go through your day, you're thinking about you, how you just responded to something, what you're trying to do in a situation, decisions you're making that impact your life. And so you, you focus at some point in your thinking on self. We call it self-thought. Sometimes it comes out through self-speech or self-talking or self-talk. We're talking to ourselves and our minds. And then we also spend some time thinking about others, hopefully. Hopefully you don't think about yourself all the time, but at some point you're thinking about some else and what's going on in their life and how you can interact with them and how they're interacting with you and that dynamic that occurs there. And also you're thinking about just what I'm calling the stuff of life. Life is filled up with stuff. You have decisions to make, work that you do, processes that you're going through in your, own, in your home or your business, whatever it might be, but just the stuff of life. And so God, self, others, and stuff. This is happening all the time. Now, 
These, it's kind of hard to pull all of these apart because, again, they sort of get mixed in the process of your thinking. But what I'm doing in this part of the series is I'm really focusing our attention on this one segment of your thinking, how you think about yourself. Because how you think about yourself is really, really important. Because if you think in an unhealthy way about you, you'll not have a good relationship with God. You'll not have a good relationship with others. And you really will not handle the stuff of your life the best way you possibly can. And there are a lot of folks that are going around with a lot of bad thinking about themselves, a lot of negative thoughts about themselves, a lot of insecurity, a lot of uh, lack of confidence, a lot of stuff that goes on internally that affects them in every other relationship of life. And so what we're looking at is how do we improve, how do we develop more properly our thinking about ourself? And I'm calling this moving from me thinking to he thinking. And the reason is because you'll never think the right way about yourself until you, first of all, think the right way about God. You can't define you apart from a relationship with God because God is your creator. And if you don't know God, have a relationship with God, if he's not first in your life, then the definition that you'll have about you will not be effective. If you don't know what God says about you, right? If you don't know what his word says about who you are and how you're supposed to live your life and what he's asking of you and what he thinks about you, then you'll not be able to define yourself appropriately, and then you'll never be able to interact with people the way he wants you to. And so that's why we move from just me, thinking about me all the time, am I good enough, am I okay, whatever the case might be, moving from that to say, what, what does... What does God think about me, and what does God think about my relationships with others? And so I'm moving from me thinking to he thinking. He becomes the center, the definition of everything that I am. This is extremely important because once God is at the center of your life and he is defining who you are, you're going to be much healthier in your being. Because you're living not on the need for somebody else's validation for your life because you already have God's validation. If you have God's validation and if God says you're okay, guess what? You don't have to worry about anybody else, right? If you're okay with God, then really the most important thing is that you're okay with Him. And out of that, you can build the right kind of relationships with the people around you. So we've been talking about some of the things that are a part of developing this sort of me-to-he process. And I've given you some words that we've looked at so far to do this. We have to develop a spirit of humility. And I defined for you the first week what humility is all about. We have to have the right, um, what I call dependency, uh, interdependency, and independency. We talked about that. Last weekend we talked about how to live with a mindset of trust in God and confidence in God. All these are essential to moving from me thinking to he thinking. We have to be humble. We have to learn how to depend upon God, interdepend upon other people, be independent, know that one day we're going to stand before God, give an account for our own lives, learn how to trust Him, have confidence in Him. And today I'm going to add two more uh, to this part of this process of moving from me to he. And the two words I want to give you today, the first one of those two words simply is this. You and I have to think now worshipfully. We have to learn to be a worshiper in the way that we think. So the key word for today is the word worship. Everybody say that word with me. Worship. worship, exactly. Okay. The first key word today, we must learn how to be worshipful in our thinking. The reason this is important, obviously for many reasons, and in just a moment I'll define worship for you, 
But the reason that we need to understand worship is because worship puts God at the center of our life, okay? When you and I worship, then we're in relationship with Him. And we, as we live our lives, we go through a variety of sequences of things in life. First of all, life can be just very daily, just the stuff of day-by-day day living, not anything really big, up or down. It's just, hey, it's just happening. Life's around us. Life sometimes can dish us adversity. Anybody had any adversity in your life? Yeah? And life also can sometimes bring along prosperity. Somebody's saying, wow, I'm waiting for that one to come around, right? Okay. But life can be daily, can be adverse, it can be prosperous. So these are the sequences of life. As you live out your life, forever how many years you're going to live, most of it's going to be daily. Sometimes you're going to go through some troubles and trials. Sometimes you'll have some great blessings that will happen in your life. This is the sequence of life. This is how life operates, okay? And as you go through the dailies, the adversities, the prosperities of life, all of these things test your character, okay? It proves who you really are. You get to know you by watching how you go through the daily stuff, the adverse stuff, and the prosperous stuff. And the things that test us the most usually are these two, adversity and prosperity. Those are the things that will often get you in the most trouble in your relationship with God. Adversity, here's what happens with yourself oftentimes. When you're going through tough times, you start thinking thoughts like this. What's wrong with me? Why does God not love me? Why am I going through this? Why is life so hard? Why is God picking on me? Where is God? All those kind of questions. Now, be honest. Have you ever asked a question like that in your mind? Come on, be honest. Come tell the truth. Oh, there's some of you here that have never asked that question. That's amazing. Okay? Please come talk to me at the end of the service. I want to learn how you did that, okay? Because I've asked those questions, son. God, where are you? What's going on? Why am I going through this? What's wrong with me? What's, what are, what, what's, what's happening in my life? On the prosperity side of things, when you go through times of blessing or good things happening in your life, you and I have the tendency, if we're not careful, to do what? To start claiming the credit for it. To start saying, hey, it's all about me now. Look at what I have done. And so adversity, where are you, God? Pity party. Prosperity, pride, and arrogance can slip into your life. And both of those are very, very detrimental to your thinking. It's not healthy to be mad at yourself or mad at God, right? It's not healthy to be living in an attitude of pride. And those are the extremes that can occur. And so the, the antidote for, ad, for, for handling, handling, handling adversity the right way and prosperity the right way as well as daily is what? Worship. Worship, choosing actually to be a worshiper. It keeps God in the right perspective. Now, I want to give you a definition of worship this morning. You may want to write this down. This is not on your notes, but it'll be a very simple definition for you to remember. What does it mean to worship God? Worship is simply this. It is, it is when we turn our thoughts and our words to honor God, to praise God, or to thank God. Very simply, when you turn your thinking toward God to honor Him, to praise Him or to thank Him, and then out of your thinking or your meditation or out of your heart, the Bible also uses the word heart for the word thinking, you come words of expression. See, worship is an attitude, it's a thought process before it is an action. Let me prove this to you, okay? You don't need to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you have come to church before? Probably not this church, but some other church, we'll say, okay? And you attended a service, you sat through a service, 
and you were physically present, but your mind was somewhere else, right? And you went through the whole deal, you clapped your hands, you sang the songs, you, you may have even taken the notes, but you were not in the room at all, okay? Your mind was somewhere else. Now, let me ask you, did you worship? Did you corporately worship? Well, you said, well, I was at the worship service. No, I didn't ask you if you were at the worship service. I asked you, did you worship? Not really, because worship engage, is an engagement, right? It's something where you step in and become a participant. See, real worship requires participation. That's why we have congregational singing. We want you to participate. We want you to engage in the process. And so worship requires you to bring something into it, an investment on your part, thinking and expression. And so we worship God when we think about Him in a way that honors Him, praises Him, or thanks Him, and we express that thought through some kind of dimension of song or word or action expression of our lives. Now, the Bible is very, very clear about the decision that we need to make in all circumstances of life to worship. Worship, listen closely to me right now. This will help some of you because maybe you've had the wrong definition of worship. Worship is not a feeling. You don't worship just because you feel something. Okay? Unfortunately, a lot of times we're taught that worship is all about, I can't really worship until the Holy Spirit comes on me and then He makes me worship. No, no, no. You don't wait for the Spirit of God to come on you to worship. You worship which attracts the Spirit of God. All right? You with me on that? And so worship is not an emotion. It's not a feel. Now, will you feel emotion sometimes when you worship? Of course you will. There are times that you will feel very emotional when you worship. There are times that I will cry when I'm worshiping. There are times that I will laugh when I'm worshiping. There are times that I will have feelings on the inside when I worship. But guess what? I can worship when I don't feel any of those things. Because my worship is not dependent upon those things at all. My worship, again, my thought, my action in relationship to I am choosing, key word, I am choosing to honor God, I'm choosing to praise God, and I'm choosing to thank God no matter what I feel. Amen? Doesn't matter what I feel, okay? I'm choosing to do that. Now, the Bible very clearly describes the choice of worship. Psalm 42, verse number 11. Would you read it together with me? And just pay close attention to the psalmist David's words here. Here we go. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Now, don't turn away from that verse yet. I want you to look with me at something. I want you to notice who David is talking to here. All the folks in Frederick Gaithersburg, look at this. What does it say? Why are you downcast, so who is David talking to right now? He's talking to himself. In a good way, he's showing us healthy self-talk. He's saying, soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Soul, I am commanding you, I am telling you, you're going to put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior, my God. And so what is David choosing in this moment when he's going through some tough stuff? He's choosing to worship. He's making a choice, not a feeling, 
but a choice because actually he's feeling the opposite of worship, but he's choosing to worship anyway. Psalm 119, 164, again, a choice of worship. The psalmist said, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. David says, seven times a day I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing and choose to praise you. It puts me back in right perspective. Psalm 145, verses 2 and 3, every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. So again, he's saying, every day I choose to do this. Now we go into the New Testament. Paul writes here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Here's an instruction, a command to us. Give thanks or engage in worship. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And make a choice that in your life you are going to be, no matter what, you're going to be a worshiper. One more example of this before we move on to the next point. Paul himself didn't just tell us about it. He showed it to us in his life. He said, there's an example in the book of Acts. There are many examples, in fact, in the Bible. I'm going to pinpoint one today that's one of my favorites. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, very quickly, Paul had taken his team into uh, the western part of the world for the first time in a territory called Macedonia. He began to preach the gospel in a city there called Philippi, a significant city. People had begun to, begun to come to Christ. Souls had been saved. Lives started to be changed. And uh, he'd cast out a demon from a young lady who had been demonized for many years. And then suddenly this opposition arose. This, this attack arose against him. And he's arrested and put in prison along with his, his, his uh, counterpoint, counterpartner there, uh, Silas. Notice what happens. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. So they've just been preaching the gospel doing good things. Now the magistrates, the officials of the city are against him. They've, they've actually arrested him. He's been stripped and beaten. After they've been severe, severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, now let's stop there for a moment. Let's just move away from that passage and listen to me just for a second. Here they are in prison, right? They've been beaten. They've been abused. I mean, there's nothing good about this from an outward uh, circumstantial perspective. Nothing good at all. But what we're going to see next is we're going to see some words and actions from the Apostle Paul and Silas that will show us a choice they made, okay? See, words always demonstrate your thinking, your words always reveal your heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart or the thoughts, the mind, the mouth speaks. So whatever is going on in your mind comes out your mouth, okay? So what we're about to see, we're about to see what was going on in the mind of the Apostle Paul, okay? How are we going to know what was in his mind? By paying attention to what comes out of his mind mouth. With me, everybody with me on that so far? So let's go back to the story and let's see what's going on in the mind of the Apostle Paul. The Bible says that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So what's coming out of their mouth? Prayer and praise, right? So let me ask you the question, what was going on in their minds? Worship. 
that could never have been engaging in the action of prayer and praise had their minds not been focused upon worship. It's a great part of the story here. Let me wrap it up here and we'll go to the next point. And the other prisoners were listening. By the way, when you praise, other people pay attention. Because it is not the standard behavior of the world, is it? Other people were listening. The prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake, that, uh, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison was shake, were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open. Everybody's chains came loose. Here's what you see. The fastest way through your problems is by being a praiser, by being a worshiper. Okay? That doesn't mean that you can praise all your problems away, but what it does mean is this. The best way to navigate anything in life is to do so by being a worshiper. Why? Because it keeps your mind where it needs to be. Okay, Every time you choose to worship, it wrestles that mind back in and gets it where it needs to be. If you're going through adversity, I'm going to choose. It's hard, but I'm going to choose to worship because it wrestles my mind back over here where it needs to be. So I'm thinking the right way. If I'm going through prosperity, I'm going to wrestle my mind back in to this attitude of worship because all good things come from God. Every good gift is from Him. So I'm going to now honor Him and and praise Him and thank Him for the blessing in my life. And so do you see how worship is critical to making sure you think the right way about yourself? It keeps you where you need to be in your mind. So choose to be a worshipful thinker. Now let me give you the second one today. Everybody okay so far? All right. The second one is choose to think developmentally. This will really help you as a person to think the right way about yourself, okay? Moving from me thinking to he thinking. To think, would you say the word with me? Everybody together, Gaithersburg, Frederick, here we go. Think how? Developmentally, developmentally. To develop, change colors here, so maybe it'll be a little more clear for some of you. To change colors, oh, to, change, to, yeah, to change colors, there we go. <laughs> To change colors, this is what you do, okay? You pick up this, you... What's happening this morning, all right? It means to grow, it means to progress, okay? And it's also to be... I'll use another word here, to be trainable, right? Correct? You can't develop without training being trainable. Very, very key is a part of that. In preparation for this series, I did a lot of reading, and um, one of the books I read was fascinating to me, because it was a book that really described this whole dimension of developmental thinking. And psychologists have developed lots of different psychological instruments to measure personality, to tell a lot of things about us. And so, uh, how many of you have taken a personality inventory before, some kind of personality test? Most of you have taken them at times. They're very helpful uh, to kind of describe you and to tell you a little bit about your personality, about yourself. And there's this particular kind of test that they've developed that, uh, that, 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 that really searches for one major, actually two major categories of personality that every person in this room will fit into one of the two, per one of the two personality categories this test uh, uh, chooses to, to, to pursue and help us understand. It's the category of what they call being a fixed thinker or a growth-minded thinker.
whether you realize it or not, in your personality right now, you're one of those two thinkers, one of those two kinds of thinkers. You're either a fixed thinker or you're a growth-minded thinker. If we had the test instrument that we could give to all of you today, at the end of the, mess, at the, end of the time together, we could score them all and there would be some percentage of you that would be fixed-minded. There would some of you that, some of you that would be growth-minded, just, just the way human beings are. Let me explain the difference between the two. A fixed-minded thinker is someone that has gotten to a place in their life for a variety of reasons, either by reason of their nature or by nurture, by who they are genetically or by the nurturing atmosphere or lack of nurture of their life. They've gotten to a place that they've set boundaries on their potential. The best way I can describe it is they think like this. I have a certain amount of potential, and yes, but there's certain things I will never be able to do. There's certain things that I'm just not capable of, certain things I don't have an ability to learn. I can't learn history. I can't learn math. I can't learn computers. I can't learn music. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I, the things I cannot do because genetically I just don't have that ability or by reason of the environment I was subjected to in my life, I never was exposed to it. And so here's what happens. Fixed thinkers draw a circle around their lives, like a boundary, okay? And they've, in their minds, they feel like that they get to certain points they can never get out of that boundary. They can never learn that. They can never develop that capacity. Growth-minded thinkers are over here like this. They say, you know what? Hey, you know what? I, I, there's a lot of things that I can learn. I may not be able to learn everything, but guess what? I'm open to learning lots of different things. And I may not know a lot about math, but if I got the right teacher, I could learn. If I got the right exposure, if I applied myself enough and responded, I could learn math and be better at it than, I'm at, than I am right now. I could learn history. I could learn all these different things. And so ha they have this, this non-boundary-oriented kind of life. They are growth-oriented. They have this mindset of development. They're all always wanting to develop. And because they're wanting to develop, what happens is they're open to instruction. See, people over here, guess what? If you get in this little boundary over here, you're not open to instruction. You're not open to, uh, to, to a correction. You're not open to much of anything because you've already predetermined how far you can go in your life. But I want to tell you something today. The God of the Bible is not a God that puts you in this little boundary. He's a God that says, hey, I gave you amazing potential, and I am the God who is almighty and capable of giving you strength and power, and I can help you to move beyond the boundaries of your life that have left you so limited, okay? And God's orientation, yeah, God's orientation is to move you from being fixed in your thinking to being growth-minded because psychologists tell us that those who are growth-minded actually have a more fulfilling life. They can, they've actually traced people 10, 15, 20, 25 years down the road and watched the difference between the fixed-minded thinker and the growth-minded thinker. It is incredible what begins to happen. What happens is this person's life gets expanded far beyond what they ever thought they could actually learn and accomplish, and this person stays within their little world, okay? So what are you? Are you fixed-minded? You say, well, you can't do everything, Pastor. Well, no, I didn't say you could do everything. There's certain things I'm going to be limited to do. I, I know one thing. I told the group last night, I'll never be a rock star, okay? <laughs> I don't have the hair for it. 
okay? But guess what? There's some things I can learn that I never thought I could learn. And so you have to make it, God is a growth-oriented God, amen? You, you look at the world God made. God made things to grow, didn't he? What does the grass do? That's why you mow it. What do trees do? Trees grow. If you don't grow, what does it say? It says something is dysfunctional. If you're still the same way you've been for the last 10 years, there's no new growth and development in your life, then guess what? Something's wrong. You're not, if you're just the same little boundary that you've always been in in your life, if you're not learning new things, if you're not getting new challenges, if somebody's not giving you more responsibility than you had before because you've proven that you can grow beyond where you were before, guess what? Something's wrong. You're living in a fixed mindset. But God says, I want to grow you. That doesn't mean you're going to become some, it doesn't mean everybody's going to become an Albert Einstein kind of person. It doesn't mean that what it means that you can expand your life in a positive way by application, by investment, by training, by letting people into your life to help you, by, by, by all those things that will assist you. Here's, let me give you another example of this. In the Christian realm, in your own Christian realm of life, here's the fixed-minded thinker. And their spiritual life, they're at work, and they see a person, and God whispers to their heart, I want you to share your faith with that person. How does a fixed-minded thinker think? Oh, no, God, I could never do that because I'm really shy. Oh, God, didn't anybody tell you I'm shy? Okay. Has anybody informed you of my personality inventory? That I'm an introvert, you, you didn't get that, God, okay? So I don't, I don't do witnessing. Somebody else does that, okay? That's not my gift, okay? And God begins to say, well, I want you. And what happens is what, that we live within this real tight comfort zone. What does a growth-minded person do when God comes along and says, I want you to share your faith with that person at work? The growth-minded person says, well, Lord, you know, I am shy, and I'm not really, it's not really an easy thing for me to do, but you know what? I'm going to try this. I'm going to learn what I can learn about how to share my faith. I'm going to I'm going to stretch my boundaries a little bit more than I've ever stretched them before. And do you see the difference? What will happen? This person most likely will never, ever share their faith with anybody. What will happen with this person? They will ultimately get enough courage to step out of their comfort zone and share their faith and find out that it's amazing. Somebody was actually receptive to the faith that they shared because they were willing to break through. Okay? So which of the two do you want to be? You want to be the growth-minded. Now, this is clearly in the Bible. In just a moment, we'll look at that. But before we do, let me give you some statements about being a growth-minded person. These are on your notes. So I want us to read them all together. Five characteristics of a growth-minded person. They're the way they think, all right? Read them with me. Number one, all together, Gaithersburg, Frederick, aloud and loudly. Here we go. Challenges are good, not bad. That's how a growth-minded person thinks. When a challenge comes my way, a fixed-minded person says, oh, no, it's a challenge. The growth-minded person says, oh, boy, it's a challenge. You see the difference? Oh, no. Oh, boy, I can't wait. Number two. Everybody, here we go. 
Discipline is desirable, not something to be avoided. The, the fixed-minded person, oh, I don't want to do that discipline thing. No, 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 it's too hard. The growth-minded person says, yeah, I'm going to discipline myself more because I realize that's the pathway to growth. Maybe I need to, if I'm going to be stronger as a Christian, I have to pray more than I'm praying right now. I've got to get into the Word more than I'm getting into it right now. I've got to do some discipline to my life. So yeah, I'm willing to do that because it's going to expand the territory of my life. Number three, here we go. Teaching, training, and even correction are invaluable. They are the way to growth. That's, that's how a developmentally-minded person thinks. They so, say, so, you know, yeah, I want to be taught. Yeah, I want to be trained. Yeah, I, I even want to be corrected because that's the way I move forward in my life. Number four, potential is developable and expendable. Now, you stopped reading with me on that. The same thing happened last week, last night, because you stumbled over the word developable. Let's try it again. Here we go. Potential is developable and expandable. There are more capabilities in me. Stop and think about that for a moment. Do you believe that about yourself? I didn't hear any amens right there, okay? (laughs) Do you believe that about yourself? There are more capabilities in me. Many of my... Are you stopped reading? Come on. Come back with me. Many of my limitations can be overcome with prayer, wisdom, effort, and time. Many of the limitations in your life right now can be overcome. Not all of them, but many of them can be overcome by prayer, by wisdom, by effort, and by time. Here's number five. The more I develop, the more usefulness I will have serving God and others. Now, notice that. What is the end result of this? Let me ask you the question. At the end of the day, as a Christian believer, what do you want more than anything else? I can give you my answer to that question. I want to be used by God. How about you? I want at the end of my days here on earth, I want to know that I've done the best I possibly could given who I was, to advance the kingdom of God with my life. And so the only way I can be the most useful to God is by by being developed by Him the best I possibly can be. If I'm a little fixed thinker over here, guess what? I will be limited in how God can use me. If I'm a grower, if I'm someone that says, train me, help me to learn, help me to be expanded beyond my comfort zone, then what happens is God says, I can use a person like that. All right, let's go to the Bible as we wrap this up here and see what it says about this whole growth-minded perspective. First Peter 2, verse 2, I'll just read these for you. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Second Peter 1, 5 through 8, for this very reason make every effort, that's discipline, that's applying yourself to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance. Perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in, notice this, increasing measure as you're growing them, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter 3, verse 8, but grow, 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 but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So do you want to, to move from me? thinking to he thinking. If you do, you've got to be a worshiper. If you do, you have to learn how to think 
developmentally. Why? Because that's when you move outside your comfort zone of yourself and you see what God can do in you and through you. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for teaching us your word. I pray you'll take these words and apply them deeply to our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit and help us to now to live them out. Help us to be worshipers, God, of you. And help us to learn every day how to develop, how to grow, how to be growth-minded people by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray also for those among us who perhaps have never given their life to Christ. I pray that in this moment they would open up their heart to you and we ask it in your name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.